Welcome to Romance Your Tribe Radio with me, Janet Beckers, where every episode focuses on simple action steps you can do this week to grow your business online and bring joy to the work you do. Hello and welcome everybody. Janet Beckers here and Romance Your Tribe Radio. I'm really excited about today's episode because I'm introducing you to a wonderful friend who I have known through our businesses for years and years and years. In fact, when I very, very first launched Wonderful Web Women, so we're going back quite a long time, Ludwina was part of our community back then and I have absolutely loved watching the way that she has continued to really explore the best ways that she can make an impact and then really be open to being able to do that in innovative ways. And so this is a woman who I have just admired her real go-get approach to business. And today we're really going to explore where that has led because Ladwina now has launched this amazing business called Room Exchange. We're going to go a lot into that today. And then we're also going to look at when it comes to building a really big, impactful business that is going to be helping thousands, well, probably hundreds of thousands of people ultimately. How do you go about doing that when you've got a lot of resources you need to bring together and a lot of funding you need to bring together? We're going to look at the really clever way that Ledwina took charge of that process and did things in her own way. And we're going to share with you how you can apply what she did to your business, no matter how large or small it is. So welcome, Ledwina. It is so wonderful to welcome you here. Uh, Janet, I'm, I'm getting um, memories here of, I don't know how many years ago it was the first time that you interviewed me. I think it was, gosh, it must have been at least 12 years ago. So it's really nice to wow. sort of be in the seat again. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's gone back a long way, isn't it? And over that time, we've kind of, you know, come back into to contact and, and our paths have crossed quite a lot and then we'll go off and then we'll come back and just, it's one of those beautiful sort of reunions. So, but always very, um, two women who are incredibly committed to making an impact. Um, so you'll never ever see us doing anything small. Um, so Ludwina, to dive straight into it, um, you know, and, and people get ready to take notes when you're listening to this because our intention is to give you the maximum value we can in about 20 minutes. So we're going to be really just going straight through to be able to give you as much actionable content as we can. But to start, Ludwina, can you tell us about a little bit about yourself and the room exchange and what is it? Tell us all about this fantastic, huge program that you've launched. Uh, so I'm uh, 51, nearly 52, Janet. Gosh, where did the years go? I uh, live in Melbourne. I've been an entrepreneur for um, 25 years. And I've learned a lot along the way, as you said, that has really led me to this place now, which I think is, I think I've had the last 25 years of actually learning and growing to, you know, for me to be able to have all the resources and tools that I've got, not just yeah. personally, but also the contacts that have helped me develop um, the room exchange. There's no way I could have kicked into this, you know, 10 years ago 
without that. So there's been a number of things over the course of my um, career that have, mm. you know, educated me and filled that and created those connections. So that's one thing that's really important, I think, in the, the you know, when message that you were just saying, just something that people can even just take away from that, the relationships that you build and develop over the years are just gold. And, and yeah. if you can, can maintain and stay in ways that's genuine and be helpful to other people, then that will make it, it's making a massive impact for me right now. So the Room Exchange is a peer-to-peer -peer platform. People would understand the sharing economy space. What we're doing is utilising underutilised resources that exist to help solve a number of um, issues in our world. Um, it is a for-profit company, but it's a social, it has a social impact. And what I mean by that is, is that we're helping a number of different um, people in our communities um, solving problems for them that are all based around the high cost of living, high cost of housing, and that's not going to change in this country. So essentially the Room Exchange is a platform that connects busy, stressed households, who we call hosts, with guests who are willing to provide two hours of help around the house each day in exchange for food and accommodation. Right. So when I think about this, I mean, one of the ones that I'm sure that you get you know, that people would use as a reference points is something like Airbnb, but it's completely different. When I think about the people who would use this, I think of people like my mum. So she's a woman who is, you know, very independent, absolutely loves where she lives, but she's a few hours away from her kids. And so we're always trying to find ways to, when we can't be there, to find ways to be able to support her and help her. And one of the things that she's thought about every now and then is being able to get some kind of border that would live with her um, to be able to help. But how do you find them? How do you know you can trust them? How do you, you know, how do you arrange, you know, how do you find somebody that would be willing to provide, you know, kind of help around the home and the property? It has always been something that stopped her from doing it and stopped us from being able to find that for her. So would that be like a typical client that would use your platform? Yeah, you Absolutely. You've identified one of our four host personas. So we have four host personas and four guests. Um, only a one. Um, I'm not sure if your mother sits in that category, but it sounds oh, like yeah. she does. It. Okay. So she needs some support. And there's a lot of elderly people. Um, in fact, it's probably one of the highest demographics in terms of available spare bedrooms in homes. Yeah. So a, a big also, empty nesters. There's been a lot of talk with, you know, the government trying to push people, like my husband and I, to uh, downsize now that our kids have left home. But I'm sorry, I've worked really hard all my life. I'm not downsizing now. I enjoy the home that I have. But instead of downsizing, I'd like to share it. And that's another way to utilise the, the spare rooms here. Um, we've also identified busy professionals, so people in their 30s that are really, they're working long hours to develop their careers. And then we also have a, the obvious one, a busy family. So it's like I was talking to somebody yesterday and I cannot imagine raising children today <coughs> with the high costs associated in the long hours that, you, that both mum and dad need to work or both parents need to work just to be able to make ends meet. So there's a few there that we're focusing on in terms of guests, um, young adults. So I know that you've got a couple yourself and yeah. there's a lot of young adults that are staying at home now until they're 30. And, you know, um, forgive me for anyone that doesn't like to hear this, but I think the children, adult children need to leave home to really become fully fledged adults. Mm. Um, and also students, university, uh, often having to travel an hour or two either way or um, just a cost of yeah. um, university. 
housing is prohibitive. And then there's a demographic that we, we're calling in-betweeners. And these in-betweeners are people who, big um, demographic for homelessness, interestingly enough, are women over 50 who are finding themselves divorced. Right. Um, it takes about two years for sediment to come through and they're often um you know left homeless in that in that time they're just what we call in between so they're in between one point of life and another somebody might want to write a book start a business maybe save some money to buy a house or go travel overseas so there's yeah. you know there's a few different reasons why somebody might want to exchange on both sides and so this is interesting so you've got these people with the empty rooms and then you've got can you can you hear my dog barking <laughs> These are, this is, you can tell that they were, we're not just scripting all of this, folks. So I've just let my dog out. <laughs> um, otherwise, he, yeah, he's, he would get so excited. Um, so the interesting thing here is a lot of times when you look at ones when it comes to if you've got people with an empty room and they're thinking, oh, look, I'll rent this out. If you go down, you know, the B&B model, not even Airbnb, but just B&B, you know, being hospitality you're always got people coming in and out like they short stay usually and for a lot of people that's just too much work and too risky there's a lot that's involved with that whereas what you're doing is you're matching those people where it's long term so it's great security for both parts but instead of it being exchanging money it's exchanging value would that be the way that it yeah. works out Exactly. So the mm -hmm. host gets their time back and the guest gets to exponentially cut the cost of living. And it's, right. you know, when you've identified something that's really important, the platform that we've, that we've um, built is, um, has got all of the verification and um, security aspects. We partnered with Digital ID from, um, which is a new product that Australia Post has just released so that people can prove who they are directly. Right. Brilliant. They can for police checks directly through our platform in partnership with CV Check. Um, they can also, you know, encourage people who are working with children to apply for working with children checks. And all those badges will be on the on the actual platform. If they've got them, then they'll be approved. They've got them on the platform there so people can see that. But we've also got $10 million public liability insurance policy, which is a heck of a lot more than a lot of other platforms in this space. So we've right. really looked at all of the various different aspects. And plus the education too, it's really important to teach, you know, to show people how to be a good host and how to be a good guest because you don't want the host to abuse the time from the guest and you don't want the guest mm. to be laxadaic and not, you know, providing what they need. And then you're right, there's no money exchange hands, but they just pay to our platform a small user fee, which works out less than $1,000 a year. So it's right. a pay-per-use model that includes all of the aspects of the security, the safety, works out to like, I don't know, two dollars a day or something. It's it's crazy. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love that idea because that was going to be my next question because I'm sure everybody else is thinking about this. Okay, nobody's exchanging money here. How are you making money from this? And so that's the way that you're working is that both parties pay a small fee, which like two dollars a day is just absolutely nothing um, for what they're going to be getting in return. So. I love the idea of this. Now, you've mentioned a few times Australia. So is this an Australian-only business that you've launched or what's your plans? So we're an Australian-owned company and that's important, I think, for people to know. So it's very important to me. Uh, we have... Um, I'll just give you a bit of framework. We've 
been testing the model over the last couple of years and, and you know, we've had a whole lot of media last year. We had a case studies um, operating and we're about to, we raised capital last year, which I know we're going to talk about soon. And so we're just about to launch our next iteration of our tech platform, which is really exciting, which will automate everything. But what we've found in the process of the last couple of years, while we've had people be able to register, is that we have registrations in 34 countries. I don't wow. know how the heck, I know, I know it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. It, yeah, so it's proving to us, obviously, and this was our intention from the start to, um, to expand internationally. But of course, I know Australia very well. So I wanted to test the model in Australia with Australian mm. laws, and, you know, Australian team um, before we expand. But what we've done with this new platform is that we've, we've built it so that it's easily scalable internationally. And that's the most important thing. So we're looking at not just where we want to be in a year, but two years, five years down the track. Oh, absolutely. Because I can imagine this is the kind of thing that would be, this is a need worldwide. I, I, I don't know how many times I've watched case study videos from very, very different countries where it's talked about young people living with old people and the big difference that it's made to their, their happiness for both parties. And this is, and it's one thing that's really been top of my mind, I suppose, because I have you know, an elderly parent and I have children who are, you know, I've got one starting uni this year. So that's something that I've really noticed and it is worldwide. This is, um, I, I love the idea that what you've created is sure, it has a very sound um, business model behind it, but also the difference that this can be making to people's lives. It's just huge, absolutely huge. And so, before we get on to the finance side of it, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about that social impact behind that, because I know that this is one of the things that we talked about quite a bit when we were just catching up together and I was going, man, I've got to interview you on this, was, you know, why? Why this particular model for you? Why, is, why are you passionate about this? Well, Janet, it's... it's one of those um, stories that, you know, we, my husband and I were just living this way for four years and it was just something that organically occurred for me. Uh, when it came to the point of conversation where we realised that after, you know this, Janet, if you hear, something, you hear people say five or more times it's a good idea, it probably is. And so that's how it began. And, and Harry and I were at a point of, you know, kids are just left home, debt-free, remortgage our house, put in 300 grand of our own money for the first two years. And... You know, but, but what we realised, and we didn't realise this at the start, but once we started to expand the idea and look at it beyond our own experience, people kept saying exactly what you've just said and the difference it's going to make. And social impact is something that in the last, you know, 12 months has been a massive conversation in the marketplace. And you know as well as I do, if you can be right on the cusp of when the right time is, then you're at the mm -hmm. right time. If you're too early, you're too early, too late, too late. Right now, the conversation is about social impact, very much so. And, you know, the millennial generation are really looking at ways to minimise wastage to... They yeah. don't want to be in debt for the rest of their life to have a house. They want more flexibility in terms of how they work and how they live. And they want to experience life now, not later, as our generation was more likely to do with, the, you know, the great Australian dream of owning a home. Mm. So... They're really pushing this whole sharing economy and social impact space. And I think anybody who can really understand that in business 
and understand that instead of complaining and whinging about how different the millennials are, really look at the value that they're contributing to how they're changing the world. And social yeah. impact is definitely one of them. So looking at, you know, in, if you're coming up or developing a business idea, how can it change the world and how can you make money out of it? Because we're definitely a multi-million dollar concept and we're not, you mm. know, and I'm not ashamed of that. But we're doing it with a very low barrier to entry, making sure we have an impact, which will make it viral socially, which is what we, we want. And we want to help as many people as possible and have those what we call exchange stories shared so that other people can see that. And that is the... That's where economy is heading. You know, yeah. it really is not just about big business. It's not about wasting money on the, the middle management. You know, everyday people now have access to be able to, to develop an idea um, even without any money. Like we had our house, which was an asset at the time, and we, at the age of 50, dared to use it. Um, but I personally believe that unless you get it back yourself, nobody else, you shouldn't ask anyone else to. But, you know, there are lots lots of different ways that we can access and people even in in my age group who are finding themselves out of the workplace but have got lots of experience great ideas they've got an asset of a house there you can actually fund something and get started and make a massive difference give yourself a future there's just so much that's available to us now like look, look mm. at how tech changed since you and i started like it's oh. yes <laughs> I still have trouble working working the remote control on the telly. So. <laughs> That's what our kids are for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just love that concept that you've just talked about. Instead of whinging about the millennials, look at the the change that they're creating in the in our economy, and really, really embrace it. That's a really, really positive point. Now, let's look at. You mentioned about. Um, you know, you had an asset, so you just mortgaged it and were backing yourself. So I love that you made that point. If you're not going to back yourself, why should you expect anybody else to back you? So now let's move over to the um, some how-tos here for people because one of the things that it doesn't, you know, if you're building a big concept business like Ladwina is, you know, there's going to be huge needs for outlays of infrastructure, for creating the infrastructure, for creating all the legal side. There's a lot of big numbers that happen there. But even if what you're creating is not going to be on this scale, but still requires that there's going to have to be, um, you know, you're going to be having to get resources together. So there's a few different ways that you can be creative around doing that. And I loved when uh, I was talking to you, Ludwina, before here about how you went about doing that. So if we can have a talk now about the different ways that you can be raising funding to be able to finance your business, and your and your launch and let's talk about how this how your experience with that and how you then took control of that scenario yeah. so over to you baby that was very interesting so i've invested in five tech companies over the last five or six years and i've worked very closely with a lot of the ceos developed lots of relationships learned and understood you know, what it means to raise capital, when to shareholder update meetings. I really absorbed myself in the process. And I'm very fortunate that I've got two incredible advisors who are both, um, you know, in this, you know, capital raising space. So I thought I had a hand, I thought I had it. I thought, yep, I'll be investor ready, which is the first step. You have to be investor ready. Yeah. Probably a whole other interview, to be honest. It's a, it's a massive one in and of itself. Yeah. Um, but, but once you are investor ready and you've got your 10 minute pitch down pat, which that in and of itself, again, is another, that's a big one. 
Um, the traditional way generally of pitching is getting in front of a crowd of, you know, um, investors and they listen to you pitch. There's a number of different ways you can do that. You can pay to, to be at an event pitch and then they, they get the people in the room. I was fortunate to have been invited into a number of boardrooms with investors from, you know, and the people that were running those investments group knew me and I'd been vouched for. Um, I was even in front of 400 people once at the Hilton Hotel in Sydney. Um, and, yeah, and it was really interesting. I had a lot of people come up to me and say, what a great idea this is. Um, you know, I'd love to um, love for you to come back to us when you're in round two. Uh, and, and I was just like, great idea, but come back to us when you've got this, this and this. And I swear, I, if, I was just thinking today when I was riding my bike this morning, I was thinking, I think I had, I'd say, 50 plus rejections. Oh, in terms really? Of, in terms of the, the nice, polite, you know, great idea, but to me, it's just as much as saying, you know, no, yeah. not now. And then, then I'm thinking, well, why would I come back to you in round two? Because whoever's going to invest in me in round one, they're going to get first dibs in round two. So this whole idea was really confusing me. And I, I also realised that the traditional VC funds and the way that um, the whole investment world set up, majority of the investors that I was in front of were more interested in investing what was above the ground as in property or something solid and real or what was below right. the ground in terms of minerals, right? Okay. And the sharing economy generally don't own things because we're sharing um, underutilised resources that already exist. So right. I understand that it was challenging for them to get where the value and the assets are in the company and that was the challenge that I, that I had to sort of look at. So after about eight months, and I don't like to lose, so I was trying to figure out a way that I could get the capital because I, we were running out of money. Like we, we had our limit on what we could afford to, um, to spend and we we're running out. And, and so I decided, look, you know, my team kept reminding me, you're all about food, dinner at your house, company, embracing people. Why don't you just do it in the way that you would? And I said, yeah, let's do it in a pub. So I had a right. picture in a it. pub that we at the Honey Bar in South Melbourne. I have to mention that because Steve is just a wonderful supporter of um, businesses. And the room could only fit 120 and we had 150 show up. It was crazy. They were outside the room. We had celebrities, um, people from government, um, industry leaders. Uh, I had um, someone from South Australian government fly up to speak. We had... Um, uh, that was Todd Clappers. We had Dr. Jim Minifee from the Grattan Institute, their policymakers. He came and opened the night. We had, uh, it was just, we had someone from um, ex-Facebook. We had someone from property. Like, it was just crazy, like, the support that I got in terms of speaking. Excellent. Then we had a panel. And then when I gave my presentation, I had 30 minutes because it was my party. Yeah, so, my party. party. <laughs> and... Um, and so I was able to really share the whole social impact, not just about the numbers and the company structure and that sort of thing that's typically required in that 10 minute pitch. And what happened was I invited people to that event who'd been following me over the previous year and included some VC funds and some people who were just recently starting to, to find out who I was. And literally overnight, I had four invitations to have meetings with funds that wanted to fund me. And that week Fantastic. I had an yeah. That's yeah. the thing that I love about this is there's there's really three three things that for me are really important lessons for people who are listening is number one I really like the idea that you went from um, you going to their place so they were holding the party they had the position of power 
I mean, they've got the money, so they've got the power. But you were then going to their place. You had a set amount of time. They, you, and you were the one leaving. So that was kind of setting up, you know, you're in, they, they are in control of everything, which would be the norm. And I really liked how what you did is you went, all right, well, I'm throwing the party. This is our place. We're just, you know, taking everything. We're just going to be setting the scene and they are being invited. It's a very, very different dynamic to be able to do that. So that was number one, you changing that power dynamic. Then number two is really looking at what do I do well? And you are a very hospitable person. Every business model you've done has been around making people welcome and creating some kind of sense of event. So looking at what you naturally do very, very well, because that's what's going to take off. So how can you use whatever you naturally do well and use it in that situation? For other people, they may have done something completely different, but... I like, you know, drawing on that. And number three, and this is really, really powerful because this is what works well for selling anything is you've got to share the story. You've got to share the passion. You've got to be willing to get up there and talk from the heart and share stories. And you created the situation where you can do that and look at the result that you got from having, you know, 50 rejections to having four invitations. I mean, that is... Those are really, really important lessons, I think, for people who are listening here, no matter what you're looking at raising the funds for. So is there anything else that you'd like to share in lessons on ways of being able to raise that finance for people, things that are going to help them? Yeah, and as I mentioned before, we're in a very interesting time right now because people are starting to question, not just in the investment space, but in business in general, What's the, what's the use of the middleman? You know, what's all this middle stuff that's going on that is causing things to cost a whole lot more? Yeah, so, right. Yes, because of technology. Ah, that must be the delivery man, doorbell. He can work. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a dog and a delivery man. <laughs> a dog and a delivery man. Um, the, you know, there's a number of different ways that, you know, investors are not now necessarily wealthy people. Investors could be you and I. And, and, and the reason I say that is because of platforms like Indiegogo, for example, are one um, that allows everyday people to invest. But someone who's got a concept or an idea can present that. Mm. And then it's just called crowdsourcing. It's just another way of crowdfunding. Um, and what the beautiful thing has happened, and I don't know too much about this. I've only just started to recently hear about it, is that ASIC are changing their laws in terms of um, being able to crowdsource for capital raising. So that means it's opening up the door now for, um, for everyday people um, and excluding the need for to getting to the um, whoever is a gatekeeper or the decision maker behind the fund um, to be able to get access uh, to funding. So th th as I said, I don't know a whole lot about it. So I nice. advise anyone to, you know, do some research on it. But there are limits in terms of how many shareholders you can have as a private company, for example, um, when, you, when you're capital raising. Publicly listed company is very different, but mm. we're a, a private company. So if we want to raise more, you know, have more shareholders than the allocated amount, then we have to change the structure of our company. But because of the, how things are shifting at the moment, it means that you can have... Um, I need to be careful what I say because I don't know too much, but I was just listening to, to a podcast this morning actually about um, the guy who started Indiegogo and I really encourage people to, to consider that there are other ways that you can raise capital. You can do what I did and have your own um, party and invite mm. people who are following you, but I still had to 
you know, be in front of all those people in the previous eight months to invite them to come and to hear about. Good point. And I still had to have the media. So I still recommend that you do go out and pitch, but just don't feel that it's the only way to do it. The other thing I think it's also important just to let people know is that this whole startup space, although it's been around for a while, it's actually very, it's, it's becoming this sort of, um, I guess, this world on its own. And within anything that's sort of new and vibrant and people getting excited about, there's a lot of opportunities for people to be misled and also perhaps charge for things that they may not require. So if I can say anything um, to round this up is that the most important thing that has got me through this is having the right advisors who have experience in this industry and who have my heart and my, and my life. They, they hold that very dear to them. Right. So it's, about their own personal gain, although they will gain from it, but it's about making sure that I'm looked after and that I've, I, I've got these people, these two guys that I can run all these decisions past. And it's not just them, it's my marketing team, my PR team, my, mm. you know, my um, personal assistant, my creative team. Like we have 15, oh, the tech company, but everyone that's working on the room exchange is around 15 or 20 people. It's massive. And all of those people uh, have got, they're holding me very dear to them and making sure that I'm okay and that, right. that, that I can run past all of my decisions. I can run past all my decisions by them. And that's really important. And that has, mm. I've only, I've only made about 60 grand's worth of mistakes, which is good. That's pretty good actually. <laughs> that is pretty that is good. Also, I've made a lot more than that in the past. <laughs> in case any of my investors are listening, that was when we first started and that was my own money. Um, but, but yeah, it was, you know, and it could have been worse, but I'm glad I learned that then. So it's not on investors money now. And I've got yeah. this amazing team of people around me because every dollar I spend is money that people have worked hard for, given me in faith to turn that into something profitable. And there's a massive responsibility in that, and I can't do it all on my own. Oh, you know, that is such a fantastic way to wrap up. And I love how you have brought every single thing there back to people. It's, you know, people, the people who are investing in you and supporting you love your story and they're supporting you. But it's a really good thing to remember that when you are looking for investors, whether they are putting in just a small amount and there's a lot of them through something like Indiegogo or whether you've got people who are going to invest a big lump sum of either money or their time through their mentoring, that they are people and they have worked hard and they are showing faith in you. So I think that that is a really beautiful way to be able to finish this and it really ties in with who I know you are which is always very much about people and about caring and creating that lovely little you know huddle around you so um, which is why I know that you will you know this is already launched and it's going to continue to actually reach those goals so I'm very very excited for you um, so for people who are listening that would like to know more about you and to contact you to find out about how they can get involved, what's the best thing for them to do? Well, if you want to contact me directly, the best way would be through LinkedIn. And okay. I'm sure Janet will have a spelling of my name listed somewhere. Yeah. Um, the Room Exchange is letter X change. It's not E. So the room, letter exchange.com uh, is our website. And so. at the Room Exchange on all our social media platforms, I'd love for you to support us by you know, jumping over there, we've got um, got some pretty exciting stuff coming up with the, uh, the next stage of our tech platform being launched in a few weeks. And um, 
yeah, anything, if you want to have a conversation with me about potential partnerships or if you're curious about becoming a host or a guest, just um, leave a message on Facebook or on LinkedIn and we'll be in touch. Absolutely. And for people who are listening to this um, through the podcast, if you come over to the website where, um, where this uh, episode is, I'll have all those links there for you so that you can just link straight over, go and see Ladwina. And one of the things I ask you to do is go and take action this week. So from what we've been learning here, action steps that I can see that you can be taking is looking at, you know, what sort of resources do you need? for your business to take it to the next level. Is that something that you can be doing funding? So number one, looking at that. Number two is have a look, what can you do yourself? Like Ladwina said, if you're not gonna willing to invest in this yourself, and that investment is gonna be your time and energy as much as it's gonna be your money, why expect anybody else to? And then look at now at about getting investor ready. And whether that's going to be on a website, whether that's going to be pitching, whatever it's going to be, being investor ready. And I loved how Ledwina said is it's all about relationships. So don't you just try and dive straight in there and think I'm just going to put something up on Indiegogo and make all my money or contact people. You've got to nurture those relationships because that is where the long-term investment and growth in your business is going to happen. So if you can take action on those points and when you take action, come back here, share on um, with us. And one of the most rewarding things for Ludwina and myself is to hear from you about action that you've taken from what we've shared. So please do that and contact Ludwina to let her know what kind of impact she's had. Okay, thank you everybody for your time today and thank you so much Ludwina who's got one more point to share. I know, I can't believe I didn't mention this when I was talking, but I want to give a massive thank you to Joe Galvez at Thundering Herd, who were the fund that said yes to me. Right. And it's really, yeah, because, you know, they, they saw the value in this and I love those guys so much and they're just wonderful to work with. So thanks, Joe Galvez, Thundering Herd. I hope that was okay, Janet. <laughs> yeah, that's brilliant. And if you like, you can, uh, we will also include some links so you can go and check them out as well. So, um, and we'll put that there on our blog post as well. So thank you so much for your time, Ludwina. Go get them, girlfriend. Bye. Bye. It's Janet here. Thanks for joining me on Romance Your Tribe Radio. Hey, you heard our voices today, but do you want to see what we really look like? You can see the video version of this episode over at romanceyourtribe.com and grab the show notes while you're there. And if you enjoyed this episode, I'd really appreciate if you show the love and leave an honest review on iTunes or your favorite podcast directory. I'll see you on the next episode.